Hey, what's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to, or watching as the case may be, Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my, co- my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. We're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. And today we're going to talk about some reading that I've been doing and some thoughts that I've had from reading the Psalms of Ascent. And you might ask, well, what are the Psalms of Ascent? Well, I, for this, I went to Google. First off, think about this. Uh, they're also called the Songs. Uh, let's see. Hold on. They're also called uh, Pilgrim Songs, Gradual Psalms, Pilgrim Psalms, uh, Songs of Degrees, and Psalm of Ascents. And these uh, identifiers are given to a group of Psalms from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. And the idea is Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 16, we read that three times a year, everybody must appear before the Lord God in Jerusalem. And the Psalms of Ascent were Psalms that people would sing on the way to Jerusalem and up to Jerusalem. And at the temple, at the base of the temple, they would walk up these steps and they would sing these psalms in stages as they go up uh, to stand before the Lord God uh, during these during these times of the year for the feast. We, we do this today. Uh, we understand that singing certain psalms allows us to focus our minds. Um, and when I say psalms, I guess I should have said songs. What is the what is the 21st century analog to this practice or the New Testament analog to this practice? Well, you're watching this. If you're watching it live, you're 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 this Monday. Yesterday you were at worship service. And usually before the Lord's Supper, we sing a song to prepare our minds for the partaking of the Lord's Supper. Now, despite my voice and and everything, uh yesterday I led singing. I lead singing on the the last Sunday of every month, and I chose to lead a song, Night with Eben Pinion. And the words of that song focuses our attention and sets the mood and our thoughts on what is to be the task at hand, which is the communion feast. Also, the giving. We'll pick a song about blessings. We'll pick a song about counting the cost. We'll pick a song about what Jesus has done for us, and we'll pick a song about gratitude, thanksgiving, and we will sing that song before we uh, participate in the giving uh, part of the worship service, and it it focuses us. We are um, singing, and melodies are have been scientifically proven to trigger certain parts of your brain, and it makes it easier to focus. And that's what these psalms were. And I wanted to look at Psalm 120, and it might not be a bad idea for every Christian in the 21st century to spend a lot of time with these songs of ascent, because the analog in the, in the New Covenant would be 
going to worship. Now, I understand that we are in the presence of the Lord all the time, but there is something special about coming together with the saints. There's something special about coming together with the saints on a Sunday. So we need to focus our attention on that. And these Psalms work perfectly for it. And I'm going to hopefully show you that through the uh, reading and, and talking a little bit about the meaning of and what is the message being conveyed in Psalm 120, the first song of ascent. Let's read it. It's only seven verses. In my distress, I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given unto thee, or what shall be done unto thee, thou false tongue? Sharp arrows of the mighty, with coals of juniper. Woe is me that I sojourn in Meshech, that I dwell in the tents of Kedar. My soul hath long dwelt with him that hateth peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. And you're thinking, well, Tony, how does that help me get ready for worship service? Whenever we go to worship service, we're going to worship God. We are going to participate in the liturgical service of the new covenant. We're going to pray. We're going to listen to a portion of God's word through preaching and teaching. We are going to give as we've been prospered. We're going to partake of the Lord's Supper, and we're going to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. What we are doing is so separate and apart and different and odd to the world. It should revitalize us. It should rejuvenate us. And in God, in his infinite wisdom, uh, commands us to do this once a week. And in order to get the most out of it, we need to recognize exactly what we are doing, that we are coming into the very presence of God in a way that is different, quite frankly, than what we are other times. Let's, let's go to the book of Hebrews to illustrate this. In my opinion, the book of Hebrews is a wonderful book to talk about the worship service. Lately, it seems like the worship service has come under scrutiny. Uh, there are people that say that there is no scriptural authority for a formal worship service, that that is an idea uh, foreign to God's Word. But give me just a brief moment of your time and let me lay the foundation for that. And let me show you how this is different than enjoying fellowship with God in every minute of every hour of every day. Like, that that's great. We are not alone. God will never leave us. God will never forsake us. If there's only one Christian on the earth, and that's me, then God is with me. I, I'm not alone. But there is something special about the formal gathering together that we are commanded to do on the first day of the week, all right? First off, we need to go all the way back to Hebrews chapter 9. Listen to this. Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service, 
and a worldly sanctuary. Now, when we look at that word worldly in the King James, that's the adverb form of an adjective. Um, it's it's of the world. It's or not of the world, rather. We typically think about it as of the world. We think about it as something that's negative. In other words, if I were to tell you, you know, hey, you know, Brother Smith, you're a worldly individual. You would consider that an insult. That that's not something that's good. The way the word is used here, worldly, means its location. It's it's locative. It's it's an adverb denoting uh, time and space, space specifically location. So this sanctuary is in the world. All right, uh, the. The location of it is in the world. Where is the sanctuary in the world in the Old Covenant? I mean, it was the temple. It, it was the, the, the temple where the implements of worship were. Uh, you had the holy place, you had the most holy place, and you had the thing, you know, the priest went in there to do their duties. That was the sanctuary that was in the world. It was worldly as opposed to otherworldly as opposed to spiritual, in the spiritual realm. Now, the New Covenant evidently has ordinances of divine service and a sanctuary that's in the world, because that's the juxtaposition that is taking place here between Hebrews chapter 9 and Hebrews chapter 10. And I'm when we, when we keep reading Hebrews chapter 9, the ordinances of divine service that take place in the worldly sanctuary are outlined for us. And then the Hebrews writer in Hebrews chapter 10 begins making the point of the superior nature of the ordinances of divine service in the worldly sanctuary of the new covenant. Um, And we're going to skip all the way to verse 19 of Hebrews chapter 10. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So this is, this is something that is special. This is something that you, you just can't wander into this. You have to have your mind set right because this is something special that has happened and it, and, it, and it is being facilitated. Our ability to participate in this is being facilitated and had to be facilitated by the death of God's Son and our precious Savior, Jesus Christ. So the Hebrews writer goes on. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. In my studied opinion, I am convicted that this is talking about the Lord's Supper because the profession or confession of our faith is that Jesus is coming back to get me. And that's if I hold fast that profession without wavering, my profession is that Jesus died. And then he arose again on the third day, and he's coming back to get me. And the memorial service in which I participate that keeps that uh, thought in the forefront of my mind 
is the eating of the bread and drinking of the fruit of the vine. Now, verse 24, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Well, does that not sound like singing? That, that's the reciprocal na- nature of singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making melody in your hearts for the Lord. I think about Colossians 3. Uh, is it 316 now? I can't remember. Um, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. That's Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. We are to provoke one another unto love and good works. But look at look at how singing is described. I mean, have you not ever sang the song to the work, to the work, we are servants of God? Have you not ever sang the song, A Common Love? Have you not ever sang the song, uh, Angry Words, or Let Them Never? We, we, we admonish one another. We provoke one another, and we provoke one another to do good works, and we provoke one another to love each other during the singing. And how are we to do that? Well, by not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as we see the day approaching. This exhortation, think about that. Preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but will, after their own lust, even themselves teachers having itching ears. The word, preach the word. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. It's my opinion that what is being talked about here, the Hebrew writer is saying, look, do these things. Enter into his presence, that's prayer. Provoke one another to love and good works, that's singing. Hold fast the profession of your faith, that's the partaking of the Lord's Supper. And exhort one another to remain faithful is the idea in the face of persecution, which was sorely needed for the Hebrew Christians during the time of the writing of the book of Hebrews. When is when does this take place? And incidentally, that's preaching, by the way. When does this take place? During the assembling of ourselves together. Now, where is this worldly sanctuary? Now, the ordinances of divine service are the coming before God, the <clears throat> the prayer. You enter into His courts of prayer. You promote, prov- uh, uh, provoke one another to love and good works. That's singing. You hold fast the profession of your faith. That's the Lord's Supper. You um, exhort one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Which I'm fully convinced that that's the destruction of Jerusalem. That's whenever the uh, armies of Rome will be returning uh, to finish the job that they started. So when when does this happen? What what it's got to happen in the sanctuary that's in the world. Well, what is the sanctuary? It's the episunagoge, episunago. It's it's this gathering of people. And, and that's the Hebrew word, that's the Hebrew, that's the Greek word in the, here in Hebrews, uh, the assembling together of ourselves, the assembling together. That's the, that's the worldly sanctuary. Now, if 
if it is the case, and I believe it is, that there is something special about this gathering and that it is it is on a higher plane, even though it's a worldly sanctuary, all right, even though it's a worldly sanctuary, if there's if this this ordinance of divine service, if we're coming here for a job and we've got to be focused and we've got to we've got to worship in spirit and in truth, and it's important to God, and we have to do certain things and and meet certain criteria, then we better do it in the right mindset. How can we focus our minds? Well, it's wonderful. Well, now let's go back all the way to uh, all, all, let's go all the way back to um, to the book of Psalms and look at Psalm one twenty, and look at this first Psalm in the Psalm of Degrees. All right, Deborah O'Neill. Yeah, if you can if you can help it, don't miss a service. That's it. Um, in my distress, I cried to the Lord, and he heard me. We're going somewhere where we are going to be communing with God in a special way with people who have like precious faith as we. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. We are calling upon God to deliver us from the uh, predation and machinations of this world. There is strength in numbers. There's safety in numbers. And listen to the next line. What shall be given unto thee, or what shall be done unto thee, thou false tongue? This is the implication that we are going to be worshiping with other people of like precious faith. and. God is going to protect us. God is going to do something for us, and these people will get theirs. God is going to take vengeance on our enemies on our behalf. What's he going to give them? The answer is in verse 4. Sharp arrows of the mighty with coals of juniper. This is very this is very severe retribution. This is commensurate with the gravity of what is taking place. You know, it might not hurt every family who is a Christian to have a devotional before they walk out the door to head to worship service to pick one of these songs of degrees and read through it and talk about it and pray and get their mind right. And then in verse 5, there's an acknowledgment. You know, delusion, there is no comfort or security or strength in delusion. You have to be real with where you are. And the psalmist here is saying, Woe is me that I sojourn in Meshach, and I dwell in the tents of Kedar. These these would be uh, uh, people who are in opposition to God's uh, plan and God's people uh, in the day. Uh, metaphorically, we we dwell... And uh, we sojourn in Meshach, and we dwell in the tents of Kedar. We are in the midst of a people hostile to God. But we are going to the temple. We are going to the sanctuary. Now, the church building is not the sanctuary. If you leave here and if you leave this podcast and you think that I'm teaching that the church building is the sanctuary, you would be wrong. It's the gathering together of the people that is the sanctuary that is in the world. 
Anyway, he goes on, my soul hath long dwelt with him that hateth peace. Be real with your circumstance. Because if you're not real with your circumstance, everything is just so much smoke and mirrors, and there's no true comfort. You see, I can I can sojourn in Meshech. I can dwell in the tent in the tent of Kadar, and I can I can dwell with people who hate peace. I can be for peace, and the people around me can be for war. Why? Because I am a separate individual, and I am I am going to this place where I am strengthened. My strength is renewed. I I can I can bolster my soul against this Elijah syndrome. Remember, Elijah said, "There's I, I alone am left, and and this woman seeks my life." And God said, "There's seven thousand that I've kept me back." that hasn't bowed knee nor kissed the ring. This first song of degrees is so appropriate because when we sing it, when we read it, when we focus on what's going on and we apply it to our lives, we know that we are in a land hostile to God. We are sojourners here. Uh, we're, this, this world is not our home. We're just passing through. And to give us a little bit of a taste of what it's like to be with a group of people that doesn't find us exceedingly odd for our convictions and for our belief in God Almighty and Christ, His Son, and our Savior, we go to this worldly sanctuary, this episynagogue, and our mind is steeled, our nerves are steeled, and we're focused on the task at hand. I love these psalms, and I've, I've, I've been reading these psalms with this application in mind. And as I said, I, I believe we would all do well uh, every Sunday before we go to worship to find one of these songs of degrees and read it aloud and have a time of devotion before we even get to the building to worship. Let's look at the comments. We got a couple of comments I want to read here, and then uh, I think the podcast is done. Uh, if you don't understand, excuse me, I don't understand the idea that we don't have to assemble with the saints. Not to say live video content isn't super beneficial because it is, but does it meet all the criteria of assembly to worship the Lord God in that we edify the saints and teach each other? We need to see each other learn from each other, be strengthened, and recharge together. Uh, ben, that's such a good comment, and I've talked about this all the way back in the beginning of COVID whenever every, whenever every Christian started with a Zoom account and everybody started live streaming their worship services and everything like that. I think that's one thing that's been a net negative because my brethren kind of think, well, we are gathered together. It's just on the Internet. Like, no, you're not. When you look at that word episynagoge, you have it it's in one place. You are not in one place. You're there in spirit. You're there in video form, but you are not with a group of saints. It is not the same. It does not take its place. Worship worship quote unquote online is is an oxymoron. 
you can't gather together online. And I urged my brethren, I urged elders and preachers in the Lord's church to change your language, that language and nomenclature is important because it shapes the way we reckon things. And now I think we've got a really bad problem. We need to see each other's faces and expressions connect together. Be with our brethren, our family in Christ. Yes, and God in his infinite wisdom, he, he's provided instruction for us to do that. Anyway, so the Psalms of Degrees, Psalm 120 through 134, supposedly 135 too, but I've seen some iffy stuff on that. Um, but Psalm 120 certainly is the first in the list of the Psalm of Degrees. And it's such a wonderful psalm because it it acknowledges the fact that we do lead lives of distress, that we call on the Lord for help. The Lord will help us. He doesn't immediately pull us out of the situation. But in time, those who are harming us will get theirs. So what are we going to do? We are going to go worship. We are going to go commune with God and his people because that's how we cope with things on this earth. I hope. Oh, yeah, let me get this comment. I heard it explained you're all in one place on a stream, but that just doesn't meet the example. We wouldn't say it all the people uh, who are on a live stream football game or at the football game assembled with the people there. That's exactly right, uh, Ben. Yeah, this 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 idea of we're all meeting together online is just, quite frankly, is hyper-stupid. And I'm afraid that there are going to be people standing before God, and it's not going to go the way they think it's going to go uh, on the Day of Judgment because of this. But anyway, the Song of Degrees, Psalm 120, is a wonderful psalm, and look at these psalms and pick you out a few favorites from Psalm 120 to 134 and focus on them. And on Sunday morning when you get up, maybe instead of turning on a podcast or instead of anything like that, read one of these psalms and focus on what the psalmist is communicating. Apply it to your getting ready for worship. And you might be surprised at how much higher of a quality your time in worship and service to God on that Sunday actually is. Folks, that's all I've got here for you today. I hope that you subscribe to the podcast. I hope that you follow the Cogitations Facebook page and uh, be the algorithm for us. Share the live stream. Invite people to the page. Uh, inv- uh, share the podcast from Apple Podcast, Spotify, uh, Podbean, and TuneIn Radio. And that's all I've got here, folks. This has been Tony Brew with Cogitations, and we will catch you on the flip side. <laughs>